in order to get the shot of having the biker and the plane <laughs> in the same frame, I had to have the drone upside down on top of them. So you can see how big it is. And so people got to see the drone in action at the show and they're like, oh, that's cool. It's very small compared to a plane, a drone is <laughs> tiny. But then once they got to see the shot, they were, people were blown away. Hey everyone, thank you so much for watching and listening to the Props Clear podcast. I'm your host, Jillian Angeline. We're talking all about drones and about improving public perception surrounding the unmanned aircraft industry. These episodes are for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only, so none of this constitutes legal advice. Fasten your seatbelts and let's get started. Today's guest is Martin Vendrum. He is the CEO at Drone Buzz, an extreme sports drone company. Martin, thank you so much for joining me. So excited to talk with you. You're my first guest in Canada. So we're spreading out across uh, the world, uh, one country at a time. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. So talk with me a little bit about Drone Buzz and what got you interested in drones in the first place? Um, well, I've always been into electronics, even though I never pursued as a career. And then uh, when I heard about drones back in 2016, that's when it really, uh, I started, I just thought about it all the time. I'm like, oh, that's cool technology, cool things to do with it. And then eventually I got to start a business, flying drones. And then Now you've got a background in mechanic, mechanic work. Um, you were in the Canadian yes. Army for a while. So you're used yes. to uh, tinkering with, you know, large pieces of technology. Drones are slightly smaller than some of the heavy equipment you've worked on in your career beforehand. But tell me about your career beforehand and how that may have helped you in this business now. Uh, well, I guess with the Army, you always find a way to make things happen, even if you don't have the right tools and everything. And so I, I did a bit of digging on you. So I've seen you've done a lot of work in uh with the with the army overseas mm -hmm. so you're probably familiar with you know trying to patch things together and then make it work mm -hmm. so i learned a lot that way and then uh, i've always taken things apart even at home if it doesn't work i take it apart even though it's gonna go in the garbage anyways and then um but yeah and slowly i got that's where i got that knack of just always fixing things and when you get into drones uh you actually fix a lot of them because you crash them and you have to learn to fix them. <laughs> Hopefully you don't crash them. That's the goal, right? <laughs> That's the goal. But then the faster you go, the more the more risk you take. I could see that. Um, but what, what kinds of equipment were you working on before you got involved in drones when you were with the Canadian Army? Uh, anything that was uh, on land. So from cars to trucks to tanks to chainsaws to forklifts, mm -hmm. anything that needed to be fixed. There's uh, In the Army, there's no distinction. You're a mechanic. You fix everything. And then in the, because um, I know in the civilian world, there's different light duty, heavy duty. And so there's none of that in the army. It's just, you're the mechanic, you go fix it. So you learn how to be versatile. And then I've always been that way. So it kind of suits me pretty good. And then when I left the army, I got a license. I needed to be a civilian mechanic. And the goal is to keep that equipment going as long as possible in the military. I know, right. you know, from my experience, you know, talking with people in the U.S. military, that's the goal is, you know, all the, some of the planes are still from, you know, Vietnam War times in the 1960s. They try and keep it going as much as possible and try and find ways to, to keep it, to fix it and not necessarily replace it. And so that's something you've been able to do in your career. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, the tanks I worked on when I was in the Army were from the 60s and 70s. And yet we're still, and I was in the Army between 2003 to 2009, so I still had to find ways to make, keep them running. So you find parts, and if you couldn't find parts, you try to find a way to make it work. And so it was. And so then yeah. you started this this drone hobby. It was a side job, right? 
Uh, yeah, I started the business as a side gig because I wasn't too sure how it's going to go. The mm -hmm. goal is to go full-time eventually, but it was a side gig. And then uh, I saw, uh, I did see articles about drones and then that kind of piqued my interest. And so I remember my wife and I were talking to my wife saying, you know what, I'm thinking about starting a drone business, which is out there compared to being mechanic. But so it's been, it's been quite a journey, but it's been a lot of fun. And it's fun to do something you really enjoy. Oh, I completely agree. That's the way I feel about um, this podcast. Um, and so what did you start doing with drones to begin with? Uh, originally, it was re strictly real estate. Uh, so doing like photography and videography of houses, commercial buildings and all this. But in order to get myself to be noticed, I needed to find some cool stuff to, uh, to film. So tell me how you got involved in in what you're doing now in the drone business. You went from real estate photography to now working in extreme sports. It, some of your videos on your YouTube page are really cool and exciting and dynamic, and it really gets people excited about drones. Well, it started with uh, when I was trying to get myself out there. I was trying to find a cool way to make a cool video that people go, wow, I want to hire this guy. And uh, I did work with racetracks before that. I used to do smash up derbies. And so I thought, hey, I should hit him up. I know it's going to be different. And then I, I uh, hit up the racetrack. And I'm like, hey, you know what? I'll shoot the, um, the next derby for free if you let me film with a drone. And then so I did that. And then I had my cool video of cars getting smashed. And so it was unusual. Like people didn't film this stuff with drones. And then I didn't know that over time, this would kind of, it was fun to film. To be honest, filming in the racetrack was a lot of fun. And then, uh, but I kept going with the real estate because I thought that's, that's a good way to make money. And then the racetrack did call me back eventually and say, hey, we got a bigger gig. We'll pay you. Can you do that? And so wow. one thing led to another. And then next, you know, I was hired to film a bunch of events. And then I quickly learned that the DJI drone doesn't move very fast. <laughs> so, But in the meantime, I was already playing with FPV. As soon as I got into drones, mm -hmm. I learned about FPV. So I had a small quad at home. I was learning how to fly. And then uh, eventually I decided to actually build some FPV gear to actually film cars to go fast. So, but the first one, the first drone I built was actually not for speed. I built a micro FPV drone to fly through houses, sticking real estate, right? To fly through houses with a drone and show that kind of cool perspective. And so that was my first entry to FPV, taking apart GoPros, putting them on small drones and then flying them. And then they were not also not fast enough for the racetrack. So eventually I built bigger ones like the one I have on the back there to go faster. Can we go back for a second and tell me what a smash up derby is? Because that's my first experience in hearing about that. Can you define that for me for someone who may not be so as we did. Uh, it's when you build cars to the sole purpose is to smash them into each other. And then the last car to not die, you're the winner. And then, but this one had a twist. It was more of a hit to pass. So it wasn't, even though we did some smash up derbies, it was mostly um, a big event for kids where a lot of cars get smashed and kids get to cheer on it so there was different kind of racing so for example everybody race mm -hmm. with a mattress tied to the car mm. and then what well, i know and then when the mattress flies off then you eliminate it but that means like if another car hits it then it gets stuck on it and kids mm -hmm. will go crazy for that and then there'd be different things like uh they would have a big crane so when the car is dead they would crane up the car up like 100 feet in the air and the kids would do a countdown and the car would get dropped and smashed and They'd have big jet cars to burn the cars. Like it was this big smash up. It's called Annihilation Night. Oh my gosh. So it was a lot of fun. I got to smash school buses and then cars. And so I had fun with it. But And, and are people driving me. all these vehicles while they're getting smashed up? Yeah. I was in the bus getting hit by other buses and 
and cars getting hit by the cars. And... Oh, you were actually driving during the Smash Up Derbies. Yeah. And then, uh, and then when I started my drone business, I didn't drive then. I just asked mm -hmm. him, hey, can I film instead? But yeah, I did that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I guess you're protected? Wing gear or something like that? You know, pads uh, and something? Well, because it's not a, like a serious hit to pass, uh, Smash Up Derby, mm -hmm. the, the only thing you had is a helmet and a seatbelt. And you were not allowed to hit a driver's door. And that mm -hmm. was it. So it was uh, safe as the people made it. So all the drivers get together and we talk about how we, you know, not hit each other too hard. It's more for show. So mm -hmm. we would try to have it so the cars that get smashed up in front of the crowd and then uh, they get piled up and all this and kids love it. So. And what was that experience like using uh, the regular drones? You said they, they were a little too slow for the action, correct? Yes, yes. The first gig was actually all the fun because you get to film and view cars in a way you didn't usually see. It's just once they got moving, they was shot out of the frame pretty quickly. And at first I worked with that, not knowing that there was a better way. And then when I got introduced to FPV, that's when I thought, hmm, that's probably a way better way to chase those cars and get really close into the action. And that's where I dived into the FPV and then really got better at it in order to be able to get really good shots, really close to the cars. And so it grew. I went from filming drift cars. That was the first group of people that got me to film them. And then I started filming uh, motorbike competitions where they race motorbikes, uh, did private events. Uh, Mercedes here in the area, they do private event where if you buy a lot of cars from them, they actually let you race the car you bought on the track and they hire professional instructors to teach you how to push your car to the limits. Oh, that's cool. But it is cool. And so I would be hired because they want to do some cool content about the event to obviously promote people buying more cars. And so they would hire me to chase the cars and get, get the school shots. Wow, that's amazing. What uh, what makes you so excited about that kind of uh, extreme sport? Um, it sounds like you you like an adrenaline kick. I know a lot of people that like that. I think I'm one of those too. Um, but what do you what do you like about that? Have you always had a a passion for that since a kid for for that kind of? I did. I did. Energy? I did because uh, I grew up on a farm in BC, <laughs> and then we had dirt bikes, so we loved riding the dirt bikes around building jumps, digging holes, and see if you can hit a jump with a bike. So it started young. And then the Army really fuels that, because in the Army, you get to do all the cool stuff, run with guns. And, and so when I left the Army, it was kind of, to be honest, it's a bit boring, because, you know, as a civilian, people are not used to uh, always being doing extreme stuff. And so that's where the smash up derbies came in. I, I guess they were kind of filling in that need. And then drones were fun, but when I got into FPV, that's where it really got fun, because FPV is a huge rush. Even though you don't move when you're flying, uh, because you're... Vision you see in the goggles, it shows like you're like you're flying your quad probably like a few feet from a car, and so because of that you have a big rush because I mean any wrong movement and you can crash in a car, crash in the ground, and so it's a constant rush the whole time you're flying. You know, I interviewed Alex Vanover. He was an he's an FPV uh, you know drone expert here in the U.S. and uh, yes. he was talking about his experience working in Hollywood with the movies, but he also told me about the experience of building his own FPV course in his backyard, you know, when he nice. was younger and he was using FPVC pipes from Home Depot to build these, you know, build these, these areas where he could fly through these courses and these obstacle courses and what it's like to race in the drone racing league as well. Um, have you considered working on movies or other, or using FPV drones and other means as well? Uh, that would be cool to work in movies. I didn't get the opportunity yet, but right now I'm working on doing lots of uh, live streaming. Mm -hmm. I've done live streaming with traditional drones, and now I'm working on putting a system to live stream from an FPV drone, so people can 
get their clients or their customers right close to the action live. So I'm using the, um, the DJI transmission system. I don't know if you're familiar with it. And then I'm just like anything else, I take it apart to make it lighter, put it on a drone and see if I can get a clean live stream from the GoPro right to the viewers. So that's the next step. It takes a lot of creativity. And uh, I think tinkering to get to the point where you're building things on your own. Uh, how were you finding the parts that you needed in order to, to get drones and the FPV drones the exact way you wanted them? Uh, the first thing is online. There's a bunch of FPV shops, especially in the US. There's lots of them. There's a few in Canada. And then um, lots of Facebook groups where you ask questions. Oh, where is, does that exist? Where can I find it? And then you get guided into different groups and then slowly you kind of get the gear you need. So it's a bit, it's a time consuming in order to build something you really want, but then at the end you get to do the work you want to do with it. So it's, I like it. It's fun. How do you, how do you get your ideas? Are you inspired by watching other videos? Are you inspired by, uh, you know, um, just coming up with ideas on your own as a, this would be cool to see it this way because of your experience in the racing world? Uh, yeah, well, actually it's usually both. I usually have an idea that crosses your mind. You're like, oh, that'd be cool to do this. And after that, but you kind of put it aside for a little bit until you see someone come up with a technology or something that makes it, oh, maybe I could do this. And then next thing you know, you find yourself taking all the next steps to build that crazy idea. And then the next thing you know, you're doing it, right? And people look at you and they go, wow, I can't believe you actually pulled that off. You had told me that you're, you've left now your, uh, you know, your job and you're doing this more as a full-time opportunity, correct? That's right. That's right. Yes. How does that feel to be able to take your passion that you started back in 2017 and know that you're you're seeing it through? Uh, it feels really good. It actually it's uh, it's hard to explain the feeling of doing your own thing mm-hmm. and then uh, not have to. I still work part time, but I, at least I don't have to go there every day. And so you can put more time. And I found that just that the more time you can put into your business, it really helps grow the business even more. You have more mm-hmm. time to reach out to people to plan new events and do new, uh, do new things. So it's been, I'm loving it. Oh, that's so wonderful. What is the first event you want to live stream with the FPV drone? Uh, right now we're looking at, uh, there's a few actually I'm, I got lined up. We got uh, F, um, drifting, of course. Uh, I got a few racetrack that asked me about it last year. So we're going to hit them up. And then also last year there was a, I got to fly at an air show. And so we're going to see if we can live stream from the FPV drone at an air show. That's uh, gonna try to sell them on the idea, but so we say it goes. Last year we got to fly, chase an airplane with an FPV drone at an air show. And so this year we're gonna see if we can live stream that shot. So that's I'm such an air show groupie, I love air shows. But what you're saying is you were able to launch your drone and follow airplanes that were doing acrobatics work in the sky with your FPV drone, correct? Yes, although, we didn't go all the way up in the sky with because uh, the planes go very fast. Acrobatic planes go really fast. They're hard to keep up with. But there was a stunt where a plane flies really low and then a motorbike hits a jump and there's a backflip of a plane flying underneath it. So it's really cool. But the thing is, it's really low to the ground so the crowds don't get to see it. So that's where I came in. I got to chase the plane and the biker with the FPV drone and get the shot. And... What kind of feedback did you get from people when they saw that video? Uh, oh, they loved it. They've never seen anything like this before. I don't know if it's done. It's been done before. I don't know about the U.S., but in Canada, I don't think it's been done before to have because I had to fly in order to get the shot of having the biker and the plane in the same frame. I had to have the drone upside down on top of them 
so you can see how big it is. And so people got to see the drone in action at the show, and they're like, oh, that's cool. It's very small compared to a plane. A drone is tiny. But then once they got to see the shot, they were, people were blown away. I get in comments, everyone's like, I saw your drone. I didn't think it looked that cool. And so it was, it was amazing. So, and then we got more people that wanted to film them after that. So we mm -hmm. have the skydivers that do all the air shows. They wanted to, them to like fly around them while they are skydiving. So we're going to see if we can talk to them about doing that and also live streaming that so people get to see live what they do in the air. There's a Canadian group called the uh, Snowbirds. Yes. And they do flight demonstration team. Have you been approached by them or any of those kinds of demonstration teams as well? Uh, I have. I have. Although their planes go very fast also, so it's kind of hard to keep up. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did got approached by the Skyhawks, and then there was one more. So this year we're going to hit them up all and see if we can come up with a plan. And then tell me about the experience of putting on the uh, helmet. I know that... Uh, you know, it's a tight, slightly different way to fly a drone than using just, um, you know, the controller and your own eyes visually looking around the sky. Um, it's you're, You've got this, for a lot of people that don't understand, you've got this giant headset and you're able to see everything around you, um, but you're basically flying. The reason why it's called FPV is first person view um, so that it basically, you're at the front of the drone and you're flying like you would be flying a, a full on airplane. Um, what is that experience like for you? And is it a little bit dizzying? Because I feel like it would be kind of a, you know, a little bit jarring. When I even watch some of the FPV videos, I have to look away even just 30 seconds in because it's kind of making me dizzy as I go. Um, how, do you, how do you combat that kind of feeling? Uh, that's actually a question I get a lot is the dizziness. Uh, the only thing is the uh, latency between what the drone sees and, by the, and the, what the image you get in your goggles. There, it's very like there's not much latency at all compared to like a VR headset. And so when the drone moves, it moves because you give it an input. And so your brain computes right away that it's turning because you told it to turn and you don't get as dizzy. I mean, when you first start FPV, you're going to get dizzy no matter what. But eventually, you kind of get used to the fact that the drone is moving because you, you're controlling it. And so your brain has a better understanding of it. But it's a big rush, huge rush. And then the it's also, you learn a lot about uh, spatial awareness around the drone because you only look at the front of the drone. You can't see what's around the drone. And so when you're flying, you have to pick up on little cues in front of you. So when you fly around it, even though it's not in your frame, you know where it's at and you have an idea where, where you can put the drone without crashing or hitting anything. So that's, that's actually where you have to have a lot of practice to get to the point where you can know how big your drone is and fly it into tight, tight spaces and stuff. Where have you been practicing? Uh, usually whenever I can around the house. So what I've done is either at home or at work, I have tiny drones, like tiny FPV drones, and I fly them during my breaks. That's how I got my skill up. <laughs> so every lunch break, everybody would go eat, and I would stay back and just fly until it was time to go back to work. And then uh, I've done that for probably a, a good solid summer. All around an office. Skill. Yeah, well, I, I work as a mechanic, you got a big shop. So I get to fly around trucks and practice flying through the trucks and all this. And so that got my skill up, way up in flying an FPV drone and being good at being able to fly and maneuver through tight spaces and everything. And then I get a bunch of gigs flying through houses. So that helps a lot in getting your skill and your special awareness because you're always flying through houses and you don't want to hit anything because you have like glass items and all this you're flying over. So you got to make sure you're not knocking anything over. So... All that gives you, uh, they call it stick time, where you get to spend more time on the sticks of the controls and get the experience you need. It gives new meaning to the open house tour. 
It does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a cool experience. Um, is there any advice you have for uh, young kids or anyone, even just, you know, who are adults who may want to jump into this area of drones, you know, that first person view world? Um, it sounds like a lot of practices involved. So like you said, get get a small FPV drone and just start playing around um, in your yeah. in your area. It sounds like, you know, you don't need a large area to practice with something like this, right? No, especially nowadays, uh, I started hosting uh, indoor drone racing events, mm-hmm. and then they we fly tiny drones. They're like mm-hmm. five volts, and then they uh, they're great because you can't damage anything. They're not heavy enough. They don't carry enough momentum, but you can still fly pretty fast, and that's a great way to practice because you don't need like you don't need to go outside. You can just fly in your house if you want. It's it's funner to fly outside. The thing is that the weather kind of dictates whether you're flying or not that day, and so with a smaller drone, you get to fly whenever you want, and it's also a bit cheaper. So if you do break it, it's not expensive as fixing a, a much bigger drone. And so, and plus a lot of companies like FPV stores come up, uh, they sell those um, kits, comes with a controller, small drone, the goggles, a few batteries, and then you can start practicing. And, and then I recommend being part of drone groups that help learning if you have any questions. That's a good way to start. That's excellent advice. Um, anything else you want to add? Um, no, I mean... I've been the the biggest thing I've been doing lately is working on doing live streaming. So that's kind of what I've been talking to everybody about live, <laughs> live, live stream streaming these events. Um, you haven't live streamed an event yet, correct? No, I've live streamed with uh, traditional drones, and so but that's where the idea was born. I live streamed a um, a drifting competition with a traditional drone, which is unusual. Most drifting competitions have lots of FPV drones. Uh, but uh, they they wanted a traditional drone because the judges could judge the cars way better by having a top view of the cars than right behind the cars. And then so I realized, hmm, maybe we could live stream from an FPV drone. And now the people, the, the audience can see something cool and the judges can also see different angles. So I'm hoping the next gig I'm working with them, we'll have multiple drones in the air at the same time to be able to cover everything. That's the, that's the idea I have in my head right now. So when is your target date for um, live streaming with FPV drones? Uh, as soon as it's warm enough to go back to the racetrack. Well, you're in Canada and you were telling me what, 40 below zero. Yeah. So we're looking at May probably. You were saying that, you know, you're hoping that the temperatures warm up, of course, but right now, as we were talking, it's 40 below zero where you are in Canada, uh, which we just did the calculations that's 40 below Fahrenheit as well. So, I mean, most of the country right now is under quite a bit of a deep freeze um, and dealing with a lot of elements in Canada, you deal with the elements as well. Um, But you're kind of waiting for things to warm up to get that live stream going. Correct. That's right. That's right. That's the plan. That's the plan. And I mean, you're, are you alone doing this, this work with drone buzz? Do you have a team of people or, or are you a team of one at the moment? Uh, actually, it's been growing. Like I'm a team of one in a business, but last year, the first year, I hired a bunch of observers and other pilots to work with me to do uh, some of the gigs. For example, um, uh, motorbike competitions and all this. They want you to get the shot of everything. The only thing is that there's so many bikes on a track, and there's mm-hmm. only one drone. And so I remember last year, I hired uh, yeah last year now, I hired another FPV uh, friend of mine to fly with me, so like that we could get more shots with the, uh, so like that we don't miss as many shots. And then we also had traditional drones in here too, just to kind of get those nice overview shots. So yeah, last year I've hired a bunch of people. And so this year, this year I'm looking to actually do more of it. That was a lot of fun. And so a bit more, a bit less stress when you have other people working with you because mm-hmm. they, they can help out a lot in the different things you need to do. So 
I'm sure. And especially in the world where visual observers are needed and you want to be able to keep an eye on the area while you have other vehicles moving as well at very quick rates. Um, it's always safer to have more people on a team for something like that. Um, if anyone wants to see some of your videos um, more than the ones that we showed during the show, how can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, YouTube, TikTok, all the main channels. I'm also on the other ones like uh, Discord and I'm on Facebook also. So any of these channels, you look up Martin with John Buzz and the videos should pop up with probably mostly FPV stuff. Which is the which is the cool, which are all the cool yeah, shots, right? That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Martin. Really appreciate it. And uh, you'll have to keep me posted as you do get that live stream FPV uh, event underway. Awesome. Thank you much for having me on the podcast. If you have suggestions on topics or guests for future episodes, I'd love to hear them. Email me, angelswings.jillian at gmail.com. That's A-N-G-E-L-S-W-I-N-G-S dot J-I-L-L-I-A-N at gmail.com. I'll see you later.